You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. This is episode 227 of Horsemanship Radio, brought to you by HandsOnGloves.com, the all-in-one revolutionary bathing grooming gloves. Horsemanship Radio is a part of the family of the Horse Radio Network. Today, we take healthy, deep breaths with Dr. Susan Raymond, and we have a big announcement with Monty. This is Debbie Lauks, and you're listening to the Horsemanship Radio. Thanks for joining us. Horsemanship Radio airs on the 1st and the 15th of the month, and I have a surprise voice for you today. I have my producer, George, with me today. Hi, George. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Good. Don't have that moot button on. You you know, you, you're part of this show today, and um, I'm going to test your expertise a little bit. Have you ever ridden a bucking horse? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I've ridden about two horses in my entire life, okay. and I could not tell you if they were bucking horses. Oh, you can tell me if they were bucking or not. <laughs> you I guess that's true. That. <laughs> but I am glad to have you anchoring us today. I think Jen is doing something fun, I think, I hope. And, I hope uh, so, too. Happy yeah. to be here. Yeah, but she will glue our show together. I know you're producing today and probably doing some editing or something, too. But uh, Jen is always there for us to put the graphics together and make sure that uh, we tie it up with a bow. So thank you, Jen, wherever you are on planet Earth. But today, I'm really excited that I've got you here running the knobs, as Dad likes to say, turning the knobs on these computers, which they don't have knobs anymore, but don't tell them that, okay? <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, we're, we really have a, a privilege and an honor to have three amazing guests on today, too. Two of them have doctors in front of their names, but not for the reasons we might think. They don't do medicine. They actually achieved at very high levels. And the third one rode a bucking horse. So there we go. Ah, that's that's the bucking horse inclusion, I see. <laughs> exactly. Well, I'm sitting here today with Jay Michelson of hands-on gloves. And I, we were talking today about the horse that has sensitive skin or the animal that has sensitive skin, Jay. And I I wanted you to help me address that a little bit. I know you've got some features to your products, but I know you know more about it than I do. So what do you do? What do you say to the, the owner that has somebody with sensitive skin? Our gloves are made from surgical grade nitrile. So that makes them chemical-resistant, mildew-resistant, because you can bathe with them, too. They're made to get wet. Um, but across the board, there's no latex in them. So it's great for any animal, any people that have latex issues. There's no latex in it. They're just your hands. And if you have a thin-skinned horse or dog, they're, they're cats, other animals. There are many animals that don't like to be touched in certain areas. But having the gloves on, it's just your hands. You get immediate feedback if you get to an area of that animal that is sensitive. And you can apply less pressure in those areas, and you can apply more pressure in the other areas. Um, we have professional grooms that work from us. Um, they groom for Olympians across the board, and these guys are phenomenal. And they did a study on mainly thoroughbreds, thin-skinned thoroughbreds, mm -hmm. and they found out that most people are grooming too light. <laughs> oh, interesting. And they're tickling the, the horses. and went in and applied just a little more pressure, and the horses loved it. 
Uh-huh. And so that's kind of some of our experience with it. We we have all kinds of animals and experience with that. I think you can throw these in the wash machine. Am I right? You can. Next time you bathe your animals with them, use the gloves. A little bit of soap suds up all the way. And what we do after we bathe our animals with them, we rinse them off, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Um, you can throw them in the washing machine. Um, just don't put them in the dryer. And okay. um, just throw them in the washing machine, hang them out to dry, and they go back to new. Well, Jay, how do people find out about you? Handsongloves.com. Dr. Susan Raymond has been involved in the development and delivery, both online and in person, of educational and skills training programs since 2003 at the Equine Guelph. The focus of these programs is to improve welfare and safety of both animals and people on the farm during day-to-day activities and in emergency situations as well. Susan's PhD research involved investigating the effects of exposure of horses to mycotoxins, as well as examining stable design and management as they affect air quality. Susan has completed technical large animal emergency rescue operations, rescue ropes, rigging courses, and animal technical rescue awareness level courses at the University of Florida. Susan also completed Colorado State University's Equine Investigations Academy Level 1. Well, welcome, Dr. Susan Raymond from University of Guelph. That's University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to have you. I believe we've had you on years ago now. We've we've been doing this a few years. The Horse Radio Network has been around for a while, and you've been around for a while. So I wanted to have you back. We have done some redesigning on some of our barns, and that just puts you down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out what's the best and healthiest way to keep our horses facility-wise and movement-wise and everything else that we have good themes with. But I wanted to have you on especially because I know that a lot of people, it's wintertime here. Um, We almost need maybe some flippers. And (laughs) it's been raining like crazy in California. And we have found that moisture bad air, you know, being closed in and getting a little bit of maybe mycotoxins going on. I'd like you to share a little bit about what you do for your horses. And we we have a photo. People should go on our on our um, website and see that cute photo with you. Is that your horse? No, actually, that is not. That's um, one of the research horses that we have at University of Guelph. Um, but um I mean, I love interacting with horses. I don't actually have horses at the moment, but um, yes, I definitely enjoy both my professional life and my personal life are involved with horses. I hear the expression is we're between horses right now. Is that right? Right. Yes. That's a good expression. (laughs) Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about keeping horses for our own benefit. We know that knee-deep bedding is not the healthiest thing going on these days. And we know that there's a lot of different options out there. But if you um, were about to adopt a horse right now, maybe an off-the-track thoroughbred, you're so sweet. Would you have any suggestions for us as to where we should house that horse, how we should house that horse? What's the ideal design for maybe we're even retrofitting a barn to try to be a little bit more light and air in that barn, what would you suggest to us? 
Yes, absolutely. Um, I think it one, it depends on what your climate and region is like. Uh, there's not a specific design or management style that's a best practice for everyone, um, or it depends on where you live. But ideally, we want to try to minimize the amount of airborne irritants that your horse is exposed to. So in most cases, the best spot for your horse is outside. So looking at ways to maximize your turnout time, and that could be, again, depending on climate, uh, looking at shelters, uh, windbreaks, things that allow your horse to get out of the elements. So it could be sun, making sure there's shade, um, looking at the number of horses that you house on your property, and again, maximizing turnout time. Um, and in some cases, some horses are managed 24-7 outside. Um, it really just depends on your own environment, what you're using your horses for, uh, and you know how much space you have. True. And do you think we tend to overprotect our horses' environment a little bit from some of those regions that say blanketing outdoors. So we've so let's say we we really want to keep our horse in a field board situation. I call it a field board situation where you catch him up and you uh, do arena work and maybe you're even maybe you're doing a little competing on him, but you want him out twenty four seven. What are some of the do's and don'ts for the average horse? Yes, I mean good point. A lot of times we're managing our horses for our own benefit in terms of what use we want to make, uh, you know, what we want to get out of this relationship that we have with our horse. And it also depends on what we're using them for. But generally, the four seasons that, you know, most climates have, if you allow your horse to develop, you know, a winter coat, um, that's going to be very beneficial in terms of having that animal being able to be outside. Generally, if a horse is out of, you know, wind and drafts and, uh, you know, out of wetness, if they have that winter hair coat and they're, um, you know, healthy and not in a, you know, underweight situation, they can actually withstand and be quite comfortable uh, in a lot of different climates. And it's more with our use, if we want to clip them in terms of using them throughout the year, that's when we have to look at possibly the idea of blanketing. Um, But in a lot of cases, you know, we might be putting a blanket on a horse more for our perceived, um, you know, we want to wear a winter coat. You know, you really have to look at what's best for the animal in terms of what situation that they're in. Yeah, great. Um, I could go on about heating and overheating and, and things like that too. But I think we probably do want to do our best, but we do make some I know decisions that change their environment a little bit, but you know, they, there's a little bit of give and take on that. We want to keep horses in our lives. So there is that um, effort to make them a little bit come our way. But I know what I'm trying to do in this interview too, is push back a little bit on what we overdo. And that might be what we put and what contributes to air quality in the barn So what do you see that's really working for people right now that might help us with some preventable contributors to respiratory ailments in horses? Yes, exactly. I mean, you raised a good point. Um, With wintertime, a lot of times it's, we look at it again for our comfort. 
So we might want a warmer barn, um, something that, you know, we're comfortable working in, but then that can lead to an environment of poor quality. If we have a barn that's very closed, you know, not a lot of ventilation, we're going to have a higher moisture level, which can lead to, you know, poorer quality, high ammonia levels. Um, so we want, really want to look at, again, in a in your barn environment, um, typically it's your forage and your bedding that are very high. You get a high rate of airborne irritants from those two sources. Um, and then looking at how your barn is designed. And when we close our doors and windows in a traditional barn, there has to be a way for air to still get into your barn, to circulate and leave your barn. So we have to look at how we design our barns with permanent ventilation systems in place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I challenge people to, in in a winter situation, when you have your windows and doors closed, how, and you walk into your barn, how is air getting in and out of your barn? you know, do you have permanent openings and, and just taking a look, whether it's an old barn that's being retrofitted or you're, you know, building from a, you know, brand new barn. Yeah. A a lot of people are dealing with that right now. Are, are the modular businesses doing better about creating light and air? Um, or do you see more retrofitting going on in old barns? I, I know in our area, there's a lot of, um, older, style of dairy barns that are used for stables and those have the traditional loft you know on in on top of the horses and they you really have to look at how to renovate those in terms of air circulation Mm -hmm. uh, and in terms of if you have a facility where you do have a loft and you're storing your hay and your bedding on top um, you know that is also a fire risk as well Um, it it really depends there's a lot of barns that are being built again if it's with horses in mind you can you know do very well in terms of putting the ventilation systems in right away uh, versus retrofitting an older barn and as well as ventilation you're looking at air circulation the the two go hand in hand you don't want i always say you don't want a well ventilated center aisle but no fresh air getting into the stalls where the horses are right You, you have to look at the whole picture good yeah that's good um, and that is so true too. I've seen the windswept aisleways, but then you go into the individual stalls. What about, I mean, and we started off this by saying the more they're out, the better. Um, do you see a trend towards the, I guess you call them runs. I call them walkouts, but um, because that sounds more sane than run-ins. <laughs> the horses are running around, but, you know, an extension off the stall where they can go in and out. Definitely. Uh, we see definitely a big interest in terms of maximizing turnout time with either, I like that term that, you know, the the walk out versus the run in. And also a lot of interest in terms of the, the term, the paradise paddocks and the track mm-hmm. systems and having horses out and um, getting, you know, stimulation in terms of what we're putting in their environments. Um, much more interest in that than we have in the past. Well, that's good. I, I like that trend anyway, so I'm for it. I'm a cheerleader for that one. Now, tell me about bedding in those situations where you have sort of an indoor and outdoor situation. What do you see as best practices for that? Well, in terms of the bedding, I mean, we, we always want to make sure that we're providing comfort for the animal, for the horse. Um, we don't want, say, the flooring is is 
something like concrete or asphalt and then you have bare spots, you want to make sure there's obviously enough bedding, a good coverage so that you're not running the risk of having um, bare spots. When we look at beddings, we want to make sure, you know, they're absorbent, they're comfortable, uh, but then also they're as low dust as possible. So something like a traditional straw bedding, there's a lot of dust that's just naturally like from the field. If it's something that's grown in the field, it's it's very it's very hard to have a low dust straw bedding. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at something that's more like a, a good quality bag shaving. Uh, there's also other products. It, it I would say the bedding also depends on region. What's avail- What's available in your region? Are there any betters for those? Well, I guess you're saying the straw is going to be dustier, bigger flakes, smaller flakes, you know, the fines in the shavings, or do you like those little butter curls kind of? <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so good point. The larger pieces are definitely preferred. It, it can happen when you get a bulk order, order blown in shavings. It can be very dusty as compared to uh, the larger pieces from bagged. Looking at just the sources of the bedding itself. So if it's a wood source, making sure it's safe wood Mm. uh, for horses, there's a lot of options available. Again, depending on your region, uh, looking at, you know, pelleted beddings, uh, paper beddings, Mm -hmm. uh, other types of field crops, but each one has to be looked at in terms of how the source of the material, make sure it's not harmful to the animals. Mm -hmm. uh, And then also how it's processed and stored. Uh, because if there's any moisture that mm. gets in along the way, um, you know, the product can be moldy before you actually use it as a bedding. Yeah, that would be bad. Uh, now we're putting mold in their stalls. That's great. <laughs> but also, um, there's this trade-off between absorbability. Isn't that sort of the main idea is absorption and getting that urine into some form that we can get it out of there so we're not um, smelling ammonia? but also then having something that isn't so um, dusty that it goes into their lungs. You're right. Uh, when you're choosing any product that we choose, uh, when, when we're looking at how we manage our horses, uh, there's trade-offs. You have to look at you know, different characteristics that you want from the product and, and just balance you know, what's best. Um, but yes, with, with bedding, you're right. You want it to be absorbent so it can absorb urine. Um, but you also, and you do want some moisture. If it's a super dry bedding, you might want to sprinkle it with some water that helps get the dust down, but you don't want it so damp and that you're, you know, you end up with a stall that you're not turning over on a regular basis. You have a large buildup of, of very moist bedding that then can also mold in the stall as well. So it's, it's definitely, it's the products you use, but also how you manage them. Yeah, that's good. Well, um, yeah, and I think this is, is we're giving people the opportunity to go out there and decide a lot of these things for themselves based on now you've mentioned their part of the country and the weather that you get. You've mentioned that whether it's a retrofit or whether it's a new barn. So for air quality and how you're going to get that venting in there all the way to the stall. And you've also meant mentioned the uh, kinds of bedding. Where can we read if we want to do a little Google deep dive? Is there any research that you feel is really solid? Some published research, maybe centered on equine respiratory subjects? 
Right. Um, yeah, absolutely. You want to go to reputable sources. In terms of how you manage your animals, uh, there's a few different sources to look at. In certain regions, there are best practice guides in terms of guidelines on how to house your horses. I know in Canada, we do have a national code on uh, best practices in terms of housing. And all and those types of guidelines are based on peer-reviewed research. And um, the, the, the groups that put together these national codes, is it from a broad backgrounds in terms of what expertise goes into these decisions in terms of best practice. In the horse industry, we we do tend to use a lot of tradition in terms of how to guide what we do. And we really have to look at peer-reviewed research that has been going on. Uh, in terms of management practices, I, I definitely invite people to look at the Equine Guelph website. We have a whole range of resources that are available for horse owners. If we're looking at not necessarily management of the horses, but looking at um, new research in terms of how to treat horses that have, you know, the heaves or equine asthma. Mm-hmm. Um, right here at the, the vet college where I work at, the Ontario Veterinary College, uh, there's been a range of research that's been published recently. One of our leads is Dr. Dorothy Beansley. Uh, she's been doing some research looking at equine asthma and how to better understand the disease and looking at treatment methods, uh, some of which there's been investigations looking at stem cell research in terms of treatment. Um, right. So there's a there's a range of information that's out there. That's great. And, and that's why I came to you all too, because I know of you um, there and your background. So your degree, your PhD is in PhD is in animal science. As you mentioned, I'm, I was really interested in looking at ways to minimize horses' exposure to uh, environmental irritants. So that is looking at both barn design and also the products and how we manage the products that we expose them to, um, and as well as looking at uh, mycotoxin exposure of horses. The work that I was involved with uh, looked at both the hay and the grain in terms of um, some of the the molds and their toxins and uh, possible exposure of horses to these products. Perfect. Center of the target for us and our listeners too. Um, So where do we go to look you up and look up the University of Guelph? Right. So yes, I definitely encourage people to check us out. So uh, equineguelph dot ca so it's e q u i n e guelph is spelled g u e l p h dot ca and as i said we so we're part of the university of guelph and the vet college that's here the ontario veterinary college but we really focus on education resources for the average horse owner mm-hmm. um, so we have a range of online tools we also have a very strong online education program uh, and we don't do breed or sport discipline specific work is for the benefit of horses in general and the people that work with them. Yeah. Your background is is stellar. And you I know you you were also um, at Colorado State University. You studied equine investigations. And sometime I'll have to have you back on to talk about large animal emergency rescue operations because that is fascinating. We we um never know when we need you and we should be prepared for so much more between our 
our California wildfires, our mud flows, our uh, drowning out here. <laughs> and we have lakes that haven't been filled for 50 years that are filled right now. And it worries me. It does worry me about large animal rescues because it happens fast here in the foothills. And I'd be interested to know in your most up-to-date rescue operations and ways for people to become certified in that, if that's what you do, because um, we need more people that are willing to jump in there when we do have our horses in trouble. Right, absolutely, and the and the images that you know we're seeing of what's going on in California is just, um, yeah, it's just it's heartbreaking. Well, um, we yeah. we we whine a little bit. We're we're not supposed to whine when we get rain because we've been whining about not getting rain for so long. <laughs> but but it does bring up another set of uh, of worries for the animal owner. So um, I appreciate your your time today, and I appreciate your expertise. And I hope people will look you up. We'll put it in the show notes how to. Um, get on your uh, educational site there too. We'll put it in here. And Dr. Susan Raymond, thank you for joining us on Horsemanship Radio. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you so much. A couple of years ago, I don't know how long ago it was now, mm-hmm. but uh, we we uh, had you on a, a number of our shows talking yeah. about the Equus Online University, which had just yeah. come out. It has developed. It's become better with the search engine in it, and it's become better with the forum because we have such an amazing forum. You know, a lot of those forums, people get on there and go, oh, no, you're not. Yes, you are. No, you're not. Yeah, usually it's, it ends up with the whiners on forums. <laughs> exactly. Right. And it's not. What I see is a mentoring. Actually, it's it's almost the polar opposite because um, the we, we do give these rosettes out for people who've completed so many lessons. And uh, once the rosettes started, now we have... Uh, we're up to five rosettes uh, for somebody who's watched every lesson. And you you have those rosettes by your forum uh, personality and your profile. And uh, so you can really see who's watched all these things. So it gives them credibility when they come in and say, hey, if you watch this lesson. So people come on there and they're using it as a, um, as a training tool, frankly, you know, and they get on there. And... And I'm not bragging on on the university as the greatest training tool, which I think it is, but it's also a great place for people to be mentored as they begin their journey with horses. Um, it really, it really is cool. So when they watch the lessons, and they can watch them over and over again as many times as they want, they get the lesson notes, they get audio, they get visual, and then they've got the forum to kick around too. Plus, we've got now since 2004, every week. Without fail, we put up a Q&A from Monty himself. He chose the question, he answered it, and we put it in a database. And that's actually free for everybody to search and get to. It's it's open on our um, Equus Online University. In other words, it's a non-subscriber open source forum too. Uh, not forum, but a Q&A base. Uh, the forum is not. You're, you're behind a subscriber wall for the forum just so we know who's talking. But it is... Um, it is it's been an incredible experience, actually, to put these together with Stefan Peters and Will Simpson. You know who I'm talking about. These these guys have won everything yep. in their worlds. And uh, Charlotte Bredals and and if I get started, Rich, Richard Winters and so many guest lecturers that are on there, too. So some people ask, why is it called university? Well, that's what a university is. It's uh, it's not just one opinion. It's not just one deliverer. You know, and, and I think that's the difference between the uh, everybody is putting out a YouTube 
YouTube these days and they're free. So people ask us sometimes, why do you charge like up to $10 a month? And well, it's, it's expensive to make the university. Everybody knows quality is, is, uh, not cheap, but it, it's really our mission statement. And I know that sounds a bit trite, but it's true. When you, when you've worked at it for five years, just to get all that quantified and on there, they're just almost no subjects we haven't covered at this point. But, um, but dad and I were looking at the list and he goes, Hey, I'm going to be making videos until well into my nineties. And I went, yes, (laughs) promise and sign here. (laughs) So, so we do have, we do have a lot of subjects left to go and a lot of people we want to still get on there. What do you think of it, Glenn? Well, I think that one of the things about training horses, as it, same as training anything, really, no. uh, is that you're, you're going through stages and you're always coming up to a new problem to solve uh-huh. or a new issue to deal with. And what I like about the university now that you have so much content on there mm-hmm. is that whatever issue you're running into, there's going to be something on there to help you. So not many people are going to go on there and watch all, you know, all the videos mm-hmm. uh, because there's just so many of them. What you're going to, what you're going to want to do is go on there and you're going to want to watch the videos that relate to the situation you're in currently with right. that particular horse. Um, and, and that's what I like about it is it has, it has so much content now that whatever you're dealing with, you're probably going to find an answer somewhere, somehow. And if not, you can go to the forum. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I, I really like about it is wherever you're at now is where you can find that situation. Plus, you know, YouTube is so full of crap now. And I'm not saying that every video on there is crap, but there are, we all know what we're talking about. Uh, there are some that are. And, you know, one of the things that, I really like about this is you know you can trust it. Uh, you know that w- what you're seeing is something you can trust. I've tried doing repairs on uh, appliances and things off of YouTube videos. <laughs> and, and you know, some of them are good, some are not so good. And some, one of the things I couldn't get back together again. So, oh. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, that. At least you didn't hurt yourself. That's right. Good. <laughs> so that's what I really like about it. And for that, yes, it costs a few, it costs a few pennies to do it, but it's worth it. Um, nice. you know, it's worth it to do it right. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it is tried and true. Everything on there is so tried and true. If not, you know, we'd be, they'd be throwing tomatoes at us in the forum. <laughs> but it really does work. And, and we, we are so happy that, uh, so many people have been, um, interested enough at least to go there, you know, and I should plug in the, the website right now is, um, www.montyrobertsuniversity.com, um, because people can get a free day pass on there and go see what we're talking about and, uh, and check out that search engine too. You can put in the weird little keywords and you, you find all kinds of crazy stuff. It really is cool. And it breaks it down by, um, not just the lessons first, then it goes into the Q and A database and then it goes into the forum. So you can actually pick and choose where you, um, pick up those keywords from too. So um, it, it's great. And then you also have little challenge questions, which I love the little tests at the end. You know, there's always four questions at the end of your lesson to make sure that, you know, you were, you were watching. And um, if, if you get it wrong, it just says, want to try again? <laughs> and so you, by process of elimination, you get it right. And then it, it moves you on. And that's how you get your rosettes that you've accomplished that, um, that lesson and that you get to move on. But I, you know, what you just said is so important because when we were setting this, idea up um, 
nothing really existed like it. We didn't want it to be first you have to do one and then you have to do number two and then you have to do number three. And like it was some sort of programmed process. Yeah, because that, that never works. It doesn't. It, <laughs> no. you know, because we wanted people who were amazing trainers to jump in there and go, this is what I, you know, what does Monty say about this? Or what does this trainer say about that? Uh, and they could be at a world-class level or it could be a very beginner saying, where do I start first? And you can just go down the lessons if you want. But, you know, it's like you said, if all of a sudden you have a horse that won't load and you didn't have one last week that didn't load, you know, you go to the loading lessons right. and it's exactly. a whole series on it. And it's MontyRobertsUniversity.com. That's it. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Most know of Monty Roberts, founder of the revolutionary training concepts using the horse's own language, one of gestures called Join Up. Today, Monty and Denise Heinlein join us to announce their expansion of the MRLC to Europe. Denise has made her hobby a profession. She particularly enjoys preparing young horses for their life's journey. And her second hobby is traveling to explore new countries and cultures. Lucky for Monty Roberts and his students, she can combine both. Well, welcome. We've got Monty Roberts and Denise Heinlein on together, which is always awesome because your stories separately are amazing. But this story together is one of those, uh, my gosh, pivotal moments, I think. And I'm really excited to give a perspective. Before I bring you both in, the first reason I wanted to put you together was to commiserate with um, both of you that life is not always easy in COVID times. And you know, horse training is a wonderful singular sport that way when we're just working with our horses. But we also work with people <laughs> and um, and that can be more complicated. And travel these days is really complicated. So I'm talking to two people who have wanderlust. I define that as They'd rather get on an airplane and go anyplace else than just be stuck at home all the time. So I'm I'm excited to talk about uh, travel with both of you, but I'm also excited to talk about planting roots. And I think this is one of those days where we're planting roots a little bit. I saw Dad working out on a poppy mound today, planting seeds, um, which will develop roots uh, of his now infamous poppies on the farm. That's a California poppy that's lovely here. Um, but also, Denise is laying down roots in Germany. She spent a lot of years here, didn't you, Denise, uh, being our resident instructor. But you have a beautiful new operation that we're going to be sharing photos from on the social medias, too, so people can see. And I wanted to announce here today that you have agreed, and Monty is ecstatic about, we'll hear from him, about the MRLC Europe. So that stands for the Monty Roberts Learning Center Europe and that you would like to be that point person um, on that continent for all those people there who might be a little cooped up. And tell us about it, Denise. What's what's this all about? Oh my God, Debbie, I cannot believe um, that this is now the day where it's all happening. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, we know each other already so long, and I don't know. I uh, I follow Monty since I'm a, a teenager. I think I started to read his books when I was 16. Mm. And um, for me to have um, this announcement today, it's just like incredible. It just proves that when you wish for something, you know, there will be 
the way uh, forward if you just um, you know believe in it and um, work hard for it too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I I cannot I cannot believe this this day, and I'm more than happy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just to share this with you and especially with Monty too. Um, this is just amazing. I remember when I saw him the first time, you know, in Germany when he still was traveling a lot, as you mentioned before. And I watched him uh, do his magic with the horses and always um, wondered, you know, what to do that little bit of extra um, to be able to communicate with um, these wonderful horses as Monty does. And now, yeah, I can, you know, kind of help other people to discover the language equals as I've learned from Monty. Well, that's quite heartwarming. Monty, would you like to welcome in to Denise? Um, yes, certainly. It's very powerful. I would like sir. to mm. welcome her. Uh, after all these years, um, to uh, I don't think I need to welcome her between Denise and myself, but I certainly need to let the world know that I welcome her because we haven't been together like in long periods of time that much, but. Uh, gosh, I, I think the first time I ever remember seeing you was uh, in Holland. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Yeah. It wasn't in Germany. I was in Holland. And what I saw was so similar to what we would call a cowgirl over here. You know, a little girl, teenager, uh, young, very young anyway. What year was that, Denise? 2006. Yeah, 2006. So that's getting back there. Um, I won't ask you when you were born, but you weren't very old. And, and you were a very young girl on a very difficult, very dangerous horse. And, um, you know, I, I grew up with cowboys and cowgirls and rodeos and stuff like that. And what I saw there was a person who lived in the world of horses, um, understood what she was doing and wasn't afraid to do what she was doing. She was terrific, this little girl sitting on that horse bucking for, I don't know, seemed like 10 minutes. And then there was this quiet little cowgirl, as cowgirls are, when they come out of Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, Montana, out here from those ranches. They're not uh, outspoken kids that go to the school. And I got you over here for the first course that I was going to have you uh, help the students with. And you could hardly talk to anybody. You were very quiet. Horses, you were not so quiet. You went to work and got it done. but. I know I I remember by the stone bench there taking you aside and saying, we've got to sit down and you've got to come out of your shell and really begin to communicate with people better than you have. And, oh, my word, I watched a transformation that's in the record books now, but I never expected to see anyone blossom like you did. and. Uh, it wasn't that you learned everything about the horses after that. You were learning the whole time with the horses. But to teach someone was 
not easy for you. And I don't know much about your one to 12, let's say, age time, but you were a quiet little girl, very reserved. And uh, now here you are traveling the world. I hear about you from Brazil. I hear about you from Australia. I hear about you from this one and that one. I'm so proud of what you've done. And here I am talking on the phone to you at nearly 88 years of age. It, it, what I leave is what's important now. Not what I am or what I've done, but what I leave. Because you can do, anyone can work hard enough to be important in any given situation, but if they're stingy with it and they keep it to themselves, uh, that's not such a wonderful thing that goes generation after generation. And uh, Philip Rawls just won the world's greatest horsemanship contest that happens in Fort Worth each year. It's a Western thing. But he was born and raised on this farm. And his father was 38 when he came to me, and he had a hard time riding in a covered wagon. He was uh, not a, a, a good rider at all and certainly didn't know how to train a horse, but he's a three-time winner of the world's greatest. And this is the first father and son team. That is amazing. I followed it on on the social media. It's like congratulations definitely to Phil and um, he, yeah. Yeah, his horse, Mitch. Yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, it, isn't it? And you can imagine, step into my boots and and just think how proud I am of you and these other achievers. And in your case, uh, none of these people are certified instructors. None of them have chosen to reach out to others. I know both of them have students and they do teach them, but you're a massive instructor of wide worldwide importance. And uh, to hear that it's going online not that I know anything about online. I guess you know that Debbie asked me to close the top on her uh, laptop. It was sitting <laughs> on the table, and I closed it, and she said, Now, you can't say you've never opened one and never closed one uh, anymore because you know how to close it. You just push the top down. So I have to say I've never opened a, a, a computer I've never punched on a computer. I don't know anything about it. I don't know how to go find out what time of day it is on a computer. So, you know, that's another world. But you have taken that world and you have really made a difference in so many lives. And I, Debbie came and said, I want the farm and I want to uh, continue your legacy. And that's exactly what I want to do. And you are a principal figure in changing that legacy or continuing that legacy. Changing not yeah, so continue. much because I say I'm, <laughs> I've been perfect in everything I've ever done. So I don't want you to change it. Not true. Um, <laughs> you know, we. Uh, I look back, I was thinking today that it was something like 19... Uh, 68 or so, I showed a horse in the 
snaffle bit fatuity. I would already, I had already uh, retired for three years and I just had this young horse and Greg Ward was up there at Reno and I was going to go and, and uh, show in the snaffle bit fatuity. So I went up there and showed him and he was what he was. And, uh, I went to Greg and I said, man, I didn't score very high. Seems like they didn't like me too much. And he said, that's all on computers. Now go ask that guy to watch yourself on computer and then come back and tell me how much you scored. And, uh, so I went and I looked at my thing on the, on the, uh, video and I came back and I said, Greg, they scored me two points too high. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't win anything. Already, the, from the time I retired, uh, for the next 10 years, the world of competition with horses changed like day and night. Nobody will give mm-hmm. me credit for helping with that change. But I, I'm telling you, it's Monty Roberts, it's Debbie, and it's Denise, and it's, mm-hmm. yeah. Philip wow. and so forth that have made the changes in the, in the world, taking violence out of the training of horses and moving the percentage of perfection massively higher. Mm-hmm. So I'm so proud of you. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'll add, I, I honestly think that when you're a thought leader or you're changing a direction of a whole industry, it's not really you that get to convince people. It's the horses. And yep. if there's anything that I've seen in the work of both both of you, it's that your horses proved what the concepts were they were working what you were teaching and it just doesn't work without the fruit i call that the fruit and so when i see denise heinlein working in the gentling pen or i see you working both of you working as partnerships in the gentling pen in the purest form of equus it it shows that those concepts are working and i don't think anybody can deny that but not everybody's going to get in a gentling pen with a wild horse and we can talk a little bit about that what people will relate to is the fact that their horse loads on the trailer when they tried for an yeah. hour after the show to get a horse yeah. on a trailer. I think what you two have done ha- have been incrementally but pervasively showing people through your horses that these concepts work. And that's what I'm really excited about continuing on in Europe, Denise, you know, that you will continue to get people in greater numbers even because you get to say – in Europe rather than having to, you know, it's a very elite group that can come all the way over here, travel over here, spend the time paying for hotels and food and all the things they have to do, taking time away from their work and horses. Where where do you think that'll change? Tell us a little bit about what that looks like in Europe, Denise, for us. Well, first of all, I think they also have to travel and come and, you know, take time for um, really going into depth into the knowledge. But yes, you're right. I mean, so everybody from Europe is a little bit more accessible that we are um, offering all of the courses from the Learning Center here in Europe now too. So I think that is a huge step. And I can already see that some of my students now, they say, you know, they can take like a three weeks gap, but now with flying and 
um, mm-hmm. uh, the time difference and so on, you always have to add um, like a week to mm-hmm. it. So I think that is definitely helpful for for people, you know, so that they don't have that huge traveling expenses or um, also adding time to it. So I'm really hoping that everybody agrees to what I just said, mm-hmm. even if California, of course, is um, beautiful, especially <laughs> more beautiful in winter than here in Germany. But, you know, it just makes it hopefully a little bit more accessible for people here to, you know, to come to um, in Europe to come uh, to Germany. Mm-hmm. So what courses are you going to be teaching exactly there? Well, we do have the Monty Roberts introductory course of horsemanship, of course. We teach like riding with respect. We have trailer loading, as you said. It's like most of the time a big problem for um, those big warmbloods, especially here in Germany, mm-hmm. into the two load horse yeah. trailers. They are very, um, yeah, narrow, yeah. as Monty recalls properly from all of the um, tours here when we yeah. had um, <laughs> demonstrations when the the horse hardly fit into the trailer and then he's like yeah I wouldn't go in there either so yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> it's that tall and, um, mm-hmm. yeah but um, yeah still I mean there are plenty of um, course varieties and um, we will give all of the information you know later and there will be um online as monty said on the in the, the world wide web um, they can find everything about the course calendar and so on yeah good yeah we'll be amalgamating we'll be putting together a lot of different um ways through pathways through the certification uh, one thing that we people might be curious about is what about those gentling wild horse courses so we're going to keep the facility that we have here pretty special because it is hard to find completely wild untouched blm horses over in europe and and those that are just have never seen people before and it's a pretty exciting part of the facility here so people can come here and take your introductory modules or the intro class, the two-week course, um, the Horsemanship 101, but they can they can take almost everything at your place as well, except for maybe those wild, wild west horses. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. They <laughs> live in America, so you yeah. have your, yeah. your American Mustangs. We don't. Yeah. And um, by the time they are shipped to Germany, they are not wild anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, we then maybe have to offer Konigs or, or like, yeah. you know, kind of the half uh, wild horses who who treat the um, surroundings like, uh, I don't know the English word now, sorry, oh, I'm blacking right. out for this, but it's <laughs> not so important. No, yeah. but, but I <laughs> but, think what's important is that the greatest thing is that we can get you back here for a couple months out of the year to teach those advanced levels and work with these wild horses. So we keep baiting you to come back over here and do that. Isn't that what your plan is? Oh, yes, of course. I mean, um, I'm not going to give up my second home there so easily. So <laughs> you I have want a home. to see everybody and Monty and and his flowers, the beautiful mm-hmm. California poppies. Poppies, yeah. And the beautiful farm and everything. No, I love it. I would, um, yeah, never, yeah. ever. That's why we plan it in, the, in my German winter um, uh, to plan the advanced courses and all of um, these ones in uh, wintertime so I can escape. Yes, exactly. It's, we're, we're as close to the beach as you're going to get. But we're also going to see you in, in Brazil 
this August too. I'm pretty excited about that. We'll sort of make a semi little announcement here too. The 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 ink is still wet, as they say, on some of this agreement, but. Um, we will be meeting up in one of the largest rodeos on earth and it'll be really it's a it's an equestrian um, event there it's not just the rodeo it's there's so much going it's like the largest meeting of people and horses on earth very excited you excited yes of course i am excited you get to travel. Wait. <laughs> you get to Finally travel. traveling again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I know you've been to Argentina and a lot of places in South America, too. So um, you know that the need is great there for the horses to to learn these things. But I think the people are pretty open in these areas. Do you? Oh, yeah, I think so, too. And I mean, everybody um, should be open to this fine communication with their horses. It's just so much more enjoyable when you really understand, you know, why they respond and um, react to some different reasons and then uh, be really fair and, you know, understanding of um, the situation. And I think um, this can't be um, ignored by any horse Mm -hmm. lover in the world, you know, because it just if you love horses and you want to have this connection, you need to be able to speak equals. Otherwise, um, uh, we will be uh, not fluent in in the conversation. You know. Mm-hmm. So therefore, I think everybody who loves horses should be interested and willing to learn their language. That's it. That's it. Well, Dad's certainly gotten the results over the years, and I, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Are you going to be doing any live social media events, um, any lessons um, that people can see you on any platform well, like that? I'm uh, trying to very much better my social media um, presence because, as Monty said, with that online and computer things. Um, I think I'm only one step behind him. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not that great. Um, and I really try to do a better job, especially so that people can follow here at the Monty Lo- Roberts Learning Center Europe and see what we are doing. But um, please be patient with me because this is not my expertise. And um, I spend every minute of my time outside in the barn with my horses and then um, because of my focus and my concentration, I hardly never think about, um, you know, filming the moments when I should. So I don't sorry. think that's a bad thing. You probably, you probably can find a student ten to twelve years of age that can do all that for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah this is, is the announcement out there. So yeah, exactly. Wants to do I was going to say, me, please come. Let's do a call out for all those anybody under thirty, twenty five, anything like that. <laughs> Go head yeah. to Europe. Where whereabouts in Germany are you? What area? I'm in Bavaria. My hometown here, or the, the closest town, is called Bamberg, mm-hmm. and it's in Franconia or Bavaria. Yeah, and it's wonderful. It's a lovely town. It's a world heritage um, city, actually. And, um, yeah, we are located in a beautiful area. How bad? Gorgeous there. I I recall being there and I conducted some clinics in Bavaria and it's just beautiful. Uh, very Mm -hmm. agricultural and, uh, um, wonderful place to live. Uh, not maybe in the winter time, but, uh, (laughs) it's very nice in the summer. Yeah. Beautiful. I mean, how bad can that be? We've got a beautiful athletic 
horsewoman who can teach and can train. And setting is Bavaria. And so people have got to find a way to find you. We put some, we put an announcement out on Facebook, but on, on Monty Roberts page. So that would be facebook.com forward slash Monty Roberts. And people can follow that there. And then also um, we've got a, a, a domain that we're setting up for you as well. So people will be able to contact you and have an email. So people should go to social media or watch on MontyRoberts.com for more information about that. And we're going to be doling it out over the next couple of months before we see you in Bajetos in Brazil. Yeah. Lovely. And hopefully soon in Bamberg, Monty. Yeah. yeah. For the grand opening. I hope I can. Yeah. Yeah. We'll be doing a ribbon cutting. That'll be fun. But yeah. Moving again. That's good. All right. Well, thank okay. you both. Yeah. Thank you both for joining us today on Horsemanship Radio and for making the big announcement right here. Thanks. Thank you yeah, for having thank me. Thank you so much. Whisper the language of the herd. Listen, you don't have to say It's time for Jamie Jennings to fetch an email from Monty Roberts' inbox and share a morsel of Monty's wisdom in a little segment we like to call Ask Monty. Leave this world a better place than The magic in the language of Dear Monty, my Western horse's gait is rough. How can I appear to have a good seat in the show ring? Monty's answer. There are two major factors involved when it comes to presenting a pleasing appearance on a Western horse while sitting at the trot. They are the gait of the horse and the ability of the rider. Third, there is a minor facet, and that is the equipment that is used. While the gait of the horse is inherent property, there are things we can do to modify it. When a western horse trots in a rough, pounding fashion, he is typically far worse the faster you trot. If one can concentrate on training your horse to trot very slowly, the roughness is reduced dramatically. The rider can improve the look of the trot by carefully studying all of the factors involved in sitting smoothly while trotting. The rider's ankles usually play a significant role in acting as shock absorbers at this gait. The knees, thigh muscles, and certainly waist and upper body can all be trained to provide a judge with a more aesthetically pleasing picture. Equipment, while a relatively minor factor, can also come into play in an effort to cause the trot to look smoother. A very low cantle will generally accentuate the bouncing motion of the rider's posterior. A saddle that is slightly more elevated in front and rear will help a rider to appear more comfortably nestled at the trot. Loose clothing with fringy projections would tend to accentuate the trot. Even the hairdo will sometimes magnify the roughness of the horse's gait or cause it to seem smoother. A western saddle that has a deep, softly padded seat will allow for a smoother looking ride than a sleek, hard leather one. It should be sure that all loose saddle strings and other appointments to the saddle are firmly fixed in place so that you see less movement as you view the overall picture. One should be ever mindful of the fact that a firm, fit, healthy human body is far easier to present as attractive while riding than a body that is out of shape. Fitness has nothing but positives to offer humans and horses alike. Fit individuals tend to live longer and have healthier and happier lives. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Where in the world is Monty Roberts? 
Maudie is looking forward to meeting some new friends, two-legged and four-legged, in March. So we just finished up our Horsemanship 101, which is a lot of fun. And now we're diving right into our Maudie special training. We're in the midst of it right now. Um, If this comes out on the 15th or if you're listening to this on the 15th, if not... You just missed it. Sorry. And then March 18th, we have a mountain trail play day. But you have a chance to redeem yourself. In April, we've got another mountain trail play day on the 1st. And then in May, we've got that series of introductory course of horsemanship. So the 1 through 13 of May is the full course. That's two weeks. Or you can do it in a modular sense, which is May 1 through 3. That's module 1, which are first steps to Monty's methods. May 4 through 6 is the introductory course join up module, module two, then eight through 10th is the introductory course module three, which is long lining, a lot of fun. And then 11 through 13 is the introductory course module for preparation for those intro exams. Then we've got another horsemanship 101. See, you can do it. That's May 19. And then May 20 is our mountain trail play day. So we've got those back to back in May. And then in June, long-term planners, we have five through nine gently wild horse course, really fun. And, and really the foundation for everything, truth be known. And then June 10th, we have our Mountain Trail Play Day. Our, we do those monthly. And that's a, a chance for non-boarders to haul in, bring their horse here. We've had them ride in and ride the Mark Bolander Mountain Trail. Then June 16 through 18 is... The movement, and we'll be having Glenn out and Jamie out and more out. We're going to have Jared Rogerson singing for us. We're going to have so much fun. It is really fun. So put that in your calendar, June 16 through 18. It's an auditor's meetup for those that are regular listeners. You know what that means. Um, It means that the regular listeners of the Horse Radio Network are going to know about this first, have priority, and tickets will sell out. So in July then, Real long-term advanced planning. We have a mountain trail play day on the 8th and 10 through 14, a Monty special training. 15th is a horsemanship 101 and 31st of July to August 4 is a gentling wild horse course. And you can see more at www.montyroberts.com. And besides the calendar on that website, you can also call 805-688-6288. For details about today's show, go to horsemanshipradio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests, too. As always, we love your feedback. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Monty Roberts or at Twitter. It's twitter.com Monty underscore Roberts. And on Instagram, which is more beautiful, it's Instagram.com forward slash Monty underscore Roberts. You can find them. There's a lot of people on there, so I know you can find them. Many thanks to our sponsors, too. That's Hands-On Gloves. Thanks, all of you who make those gloves over there so well. And they last so long. Handsongloves.com and MontyRobertsUniversity.com. We've been working hard to put a lesson up, a new video lesson, every week since 2009. That's saying something. Be sure to visit all the other great shows too on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Until next time, have many happy horse hours. (laughs) 